wheels make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and Welcome back, Throw listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast. From the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois, in spirit, but not actually, because we only have one person who lives in Chicago, and only one person of the four in this podcast who actually is watching games in Chicago. But more on that later. I'm Lars. Joining me tonight, down there in Austin, Texas, Jim and Jeff Day is back with us. Finally, good to be back. We're doing this via FaceTime, so it's good to see uh, all your faces. Look forward to chatting about the game. Absolutely. Up there in Brew City, USA, Buffalo Bill Nichols is with us as well. Bring it. Let's keep keep the winds rolling. Stack them. And the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton, the aforementioned Cassie Hutton, joining us from just outside the shadow of Wrigley Field. Hey, yo, the Bills are 2-0. and So find us on social media. Just search all the common places. Subscribe on this podcast if you haven't already. And tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your loved ones, tell everyone you know in Bills Nation how you found us. Gang, we're uh, a day, maybe two days more on that later, uh, late getting this podcast out. So we've already wasted too much time. Let's not waste any more. Get right into it. was the final in this one, an outpouring of offense in so many ways. Statistical anomalies all over the place for these Buffalo Bills. The kind of passing performance we haven't seen in decades. Most Bills fans don't even recall the last time they were old enough to watch the Buffalo Bills put up the kind of yards and and move the ball the way they did on Sunday. And we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about with this offense and Josh Allen and these receivers. But it wasn't all pretty. Close your eyes and harken back to a, a, a lightning delay, a, a, a power outage at the stadium, which, which left us all, because we're all watching it from home, unable to watch the game. So let's not dwell on the negative. Let's try to get this through this as fast as possible and keep it upbeat, not least of which for the sake of, of, of the, uh, the, the wonderful Miss Leslie Day, who I know likes to hear a little exuberance in our voice. Hey, Mom. So, Jeff, starting with you, we'll start with you, with your Jenny Cremail. So let's make it quick and get right, right. to the good stuff. Jenny Cremail of, of, of today's contest, um, I guess I'll take the obvious one, I, I think, um, which is the one member of the defense who was uh, picked on like a kid at the schoolyard by our good friend Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, and that's Levi Wallace. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he's got a – He's got a tough job. He stands opposite Trey, so he's going to get a lot of balls thrown his way. You know, the interesting thing about Levi, I thought, is that a lot of those balls, you know, he was actually, like, in decent position. Um, he just wasn't able to always make the play. It reminded me a little bit of – who was that? Leotis. Leotis, right? Leotis McKelvin. It reminded me a little bit of, like, a Leotis, a classic Leotis performance where he's always, like, right there, and yet somehow the guy seems to catch the ball. So, you know, Levi would be my one weak link of the, of the defense today. You know, and I, I was – I think it's on the NFL.com app. They have like a 10-minute highlight reel. You know, people say, oh, I'm, I'm nervous about which Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to show up. Yeah, you should be because that dude made some pretty, like, unbelievable plays on Sunday. And the Gusecki, the tight end, and Devontae Parker, I mean, like, these guys were making plays. They, they were making contested catches – 
Fitz was throwing it while getting creamed by three guys. I mean, a little bit, a little bit of credit is due in some some way to the to the Dolphins there. And Jeff, I'm glad you pointed out, uh, you know, phrase your comment on that specifically. That when you play opposite Trey White, they're going to come at you, and they're going to keep coming at you until you make a play. So, Levi Wallace, it's you know time to make a play. Bill, you're nodding your head. Let's come to you next. You're Jenny Creamell of Sunday's contest. I'm nodding my head mostly uh, just as I'm just thinking about uh, just Levi just the entire time. But, hey, whatever. We're going to see it all season. Um, my cream ale of the game is uh, going to be my uh, uh, your boy, uh, Andre Roberts. Okay. I mean, <laughs> oh, here we go. Just, here we go. I mean, this is how I, we know we're out of problems. Yeah, I just don't even know what he did. He didn't really do much. He's he he took up a roster spot is what he did for the game. So, eh, congratulations. Uh, Andre Roberts to you has become what Jerry Hughes is to Cassie. Yeah, just, that's just, obvious just, at this point. Just just an irrational, uh, you know, uh, harboring of disdain. Well, Suge is with them on that. I was thinking that was that Sujit that was on that comment, or is that Bill? Well, Cass, the floor is yours. Aside from Jerry Hughes, who is your Jenny Cremel bummer of Sunday's game? I, I'm going to go back to it again, and it is our inability to do anything on offense in the third quarter. Mm. It was a problem last year. It is a problem this year. Looking back at stats from last year, we were 26th in the league in scoring points in the third quarter, averaging 3.4 points. That is abysmal. We have scored zero points this year. We are at the very bottom. Wow. We have scored a posi- point in the third quarter. In, we have not scored a point in the third quarter with Houston. Houston and the Bills are the only two teams that have not scored a point in the third quarter. Which is it remarkable is, because we've scored the most points in the AFC East, and I think we're like fifth in the entire league in points scored. Yeah. But and, that's, we don't, and that's essentially playing three quarters of, of a football game. Correct. And it's it's uh, granted we've played two really not good teams, one very bad one, one that's pretty mediocre. It's we can't do that this weekend. No. They, they they I don't know what is wrong. We can't come out of the locker room as nap time. So it's a big problem. I mean, I think we got to continue to watch it, and they need to do something about it. You know, I. I, I, I I'm not ready to throw dirt on these Miami Dolphins yet. I think Brian Flores is a good coach. Yeah, yes. and, I, and I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick always gives you a puncher's chance. Mm-hmm. And they're not a bad team. I think, that, um, I think that we have not seen the last of these Miami Dolphins. Um, and I'm, I'm not ready to – the Jets are abysmal. The, the Jets are, are just a classic Adam Gase clown show. But um, – the 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 talking point of they haven't played anybody good yet. The Dolphins are not they're not a bad bad team. Um, you said something else there I wanted to react to, but now I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah, so you know just generally speaking, Cass, it feels like this offense is capable of like a dead sprint, and that's it. Like they are either just marching down the field, picking up yards and chunks, scoring points, or they're just they look absolutely hapless out there. The the one thing this offense hasn't really proven that it can do is play like a slow tempo controlled game, which is fine. I mean, I'd ra- I'd rather have an offense that, you know, I think somebody on the radio made the point that how many years have we watched the the Patriots kind of like, ugh, f- all right, fine. There's ten minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Like, let's just put this one away and just score seventeen unanswered points. Like, I'm glad we have that 
that team right now. Uh, but I, I'm with you. It would be nice if if part of our part of our mo for putting teams away was just kind of maintaining the ball and and not looking completely helpless. Yeah, and, and I I feel like it's part of Josh Allen. Like he's a gamer, so in like really tight competitions, he shows up. I feel like he kind of just kind of plays down. Yeah. When there isn't that immediacy or that need, so. Granted, don't worry. I'm not complaining against Josh Allen. I would take the gamer over someone that can like slaughter a team any day. So I'm not saying that, but I just think it's probably a trait of of, of Allen's. So, and this will transition into what I'm assuming will be a, a pretty hearty Josh Allen discussion. My Jenny Cremail bummer of Sunday's game is something we have talked about now on this podcast several times. I, I definitely harped on it this year in our draft podcast, and I may have sounded a little curmudgeonly and and a little bit just kind of like poo-pooing on the whole thing, but this idea of data-driven blog writing like draft nicks and these guys who evaluate quarterbacks and have their own grades, you are my Jenny Cremail bummer of this game because – we talked about it on this year's draft pod. And if you go all the way back to the 2018 draft pod that we did at at Cassie's apartment on draft night after we drafted Josh Allen, what we talked about was, all right, there seems to be two schools of thought. This new age, internet, clickbait way of evaluating players and the old school way. And at the time, and probably still to a certain extent, some of the radio personalities in Buffalo are definitely friendly to the former. They they put a lot of stock in those data guys and what they have to say. And what we talked about when we drafted Josh Allen was why the disconnect? What who why do the guys who actually work for NFL teams, why are they making a pick like Josh Allen when all of the guys who are working for blogs are so adamantly opposed to this guy. Somebody knows what they're talking about, and somebody doesn't. Well, here we are. We're two games into his third season, and is it fair to say that the people working for NFL teams know a little bit more about what it means to be an NFL player than the guys who have their draft grades and, and and who, by the way, rated Sam Darnold as having a better performance than Josh Allen on Sunday, who of the of the top quarterbacks from Sunday didn't include Josh Allen or Russell Wilson, who threw five touchdowns. So something's got to give here. I, I've, I've been harping on these guys, like I said, for a while now. I'm obviously very anti what they have to offer. Then you know, obviously coming from a, a blogger, so to speak, a podcaster here who takes our job way less seriously, of course. But you guys, swing and a miss. And now was an opportunity to step up to the plate again and say, my bad. But more often than not, these, these jokers are, are doubling down on their opinion, which is belied by our own two eyes. Anybody who's watching these games and watching what this kid and this team is capable of knows damn well that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL because of what he's capable of. And I think that transitions nicely into the bat blue MVP of Sunday's game. Should we talk about anybody other than Josh Allen? 
probably. I'll throw one out there. How about that catch in the end zone by the Rook? Huh? How about it? Because we've been saying on this podcast also for years, hey, let your players make a play. Well, who made a play? The Rook. Who else made plays? Stephon Diggs. Those two guys in three catches alone did things in a Bills uniform that we have not seen for years. Good plays versus great plays, right? I mean, it's just... Oh, making, how about, how about just making plays? Game-changing plays, yeah. Is yeah. that what you said, Bill? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, that, that, that catch that Gabe Davis made, which, by the way, I've watched the highlight about 17 times, and I still don't actually understand physically <laughs> how he was able to get his hand under the no. ball. But that was a th- – the, like, the context of that catch, the Bills were down – we were losing by three points, and it was third and goal from the seven-yard line. And the difference between him pulling in that catch and us going up by four versus us attempting a field goal to tie it is, is who knows where the rest of the ball game would have gone. And, you know, props to what I love about Gabe Davis making that catch is all OTAs, all training camp. He was the, he was the darling, right? He was the rookie darling of training camp of OTAs. And the storyline was he just, some, he just makes plays every practice. It's like Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis, Gabriel Davis. And then he transitioned that into the most, you know, important part of the ball game and made a play. He had one catch for six yards. That's his stat line. But it underscores the importance that he brought to the field. Very nicely said. And yes, that catch and at least two others from Stephon Diggs. The one that that was challenged that we talked about where it was thrown into a tight window and he kind of like jumped in front of the defender. I mean, we we haven't seen a guy do something like that since Sammy Watkins. I mean, the the ability and 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 you know, a lot of you would hear people say about Josh Allen like we got to get him weapons. You got to get him weapons. But when a guy can like contort his body like that in midair and make a contested catch that that is huge for your quarterback Lars I don't understand the statement you just made make a contested catch (laughs) I I don't think we've been able to utter that statement on this podcast since it's been around no and now we have a wide receiver that clearly does that and raises the bar on expectations of what wide receivers need to do and should do in a Buffalo Bills uniform. That's right. And and Cass, your boy John Brown running all over the field, just burning guys left and right. I mean, like there's just like what, what? Who is this team? What is this football we've been watching? And we're sort of combining, you know, Diggs and Gabe here, and you know, the one thing that I that I'll just comment on Diggs, which is so evident is that when that guy catches the ball, he is not looking to go down. No. You know, I mean, and, you know, like Beasley and Brown are, are, are terrific in their own right. We've got some great wide receivers, but there is just something different when Diggs catches the ball, the aggressiveness in which he is looking to get that yards after the catch, go for the end zone. is just a very different, um, it's a very different like mentality or energy. Like you see the physical, and he's not a big guy, right? He's not like he's DK no. Metcalf out there. Um, but he no. just he clearly attacks um, every play with like a this competitive fire that I mean he by far it seems like maybe besides Josh you know in terms of our skill players he is that swagalicious number one receiver um, and we're seeing it and he has twice lost his footing 
It happened. It happened week one against the Jets, and it happened on that. And when, as soon as the Bills went down, the first place from scrimmage was the forty-seven yard bomb down the sideline. It happened on that play too, where he was trying to cut it back to the inside and, and try to make a play. And it was evident there, Jeff. But I, it, it, I, I bring that up as if to say, like, we haven't even seen what this guy's capable of. Because like on two opportunities where he had to make a huge game-breaking play, he slipped. He just straight up lost his feet. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, I think, while the game was happening. But on the first Bills drive of of the game, um, Diggs was a a fingertip away from a 70-yard touchdown. But he stopped running. And he he stopped running, right? Like, clearly, Allen thought he was going to keep going. And and even despite that, I mean, that was – that's still probably a catch that Diggs Diggs makes eight out of ten times. Um, Yeah. You know, so, yeah, very impressive. Jump in here, Billy. I was going to say, I mean, the beautiful thing about what we're talking about, too, is we're talking about leadership. And I remember when Kyle Williams uh, retired uh, and, you know, we had Zogo from last year. We were kind of wondering, well, who's going to step up and be a leader to this team? And, oh, yeah, we've got Trey Edmonds. Hopefully he uses his voice a little bit more, but he's kind of like a silent leader. Uh, You know, we've got the Micah Hydes uh, and we've got Josh. But, you know, where is that leadership going to come from? When you got a guy like Stefan Diggs, who's out there, you, I mean, you hear the stories about all all the players, offense, defense, everyone saying he's holding us accountable. Like he's up and down. He brings so much energy. That's leadership, and that lets other guys step up and become leaders and become voices as well. Because they don't need to shout as loud. They can just shout, uh, or they can just speak their mind, and uh, you know, and, and makes the entire team better. So it's exciting to see. Uh, you know, we don't have to rely on some grizzly veteran like uh, Pat DeMarco to be uh, the, a, vocal, a vocal leader, a vocal leader of our team. So let's I mean, let's not bury the lead here. We're, we're talking about leaders. We're talking about the passing offense. Let's talk about the passer. Let's talk about Josh Allen. One thing I want to highlight here is maybe down, never out. So I mean, close your eyes, Bills fans. And recall the three years under Tyrod Taylor, in which a four-point deficit was literally a death. It was a, it was a death sentence. We he was what one in nineteen yeah. when the Bills got down by four points or more, even in the first quarter. One in nineteen. Josh Allen has seven fourth-quarter comebacks in in less than three years of playing, and. I mean, the Dolphins got up. At any point in time, did you ever think, like, well, this is it? This is history? I mean, I got nervous thinking that, like, we're, we're a turnover away from this game getting too close. But I never thought that Josh Allen couldn't do it. And, I mean, Cash, you said so yourself. Like, when the chips are down and when it matters, I mean, maybe he plays down when it doesn't, when it doesn't matter, when, when the stakes are a little lower. But when the stakes are higher, that's when he's at his best consistently like this isn't like an anomaly like this has been time and time again he did it in the playoffs too time and time again when the chips are down josh allen is at his best what else can you ask for from your quarterback aside from being a physical freak who can throw the ball run the ball do everything i mean like what are we talking about here there was a couple things that i really liked about his performance um and and i guess the the first thing that i'll just say is you know, the, the last maybe 10 ball games, Josh Allen has been, I would say, like, very effective at throwing the comeback route fastball. 
let's say. Yes. Right? Like John Brown. I know where you're going with this. 20 yard, di- like, uh, whatever, you know, dig route, comeback route, whatever, hook. <laughs> um, and he's been incredible at that. Um, but yesterday, on Sunday, what was on display, like, what, five, six different passes was the streaming across the field over-the-shoulder-esque touch pass, something off of it to let your receiver run under it. And he had one of those two beautiful pass to Cole Beasley. He had a couple of those to Diggs. Um, you know, I don't know if he had – maybe he had that same pass to Brown. I can't remember. But, you know, just all over the field, that beautiful touch pass that was really nice to see. Yeah, it's not a fastball every time. And what do we say all the time with Tyrod? Timing patterns, timing throws, throw a guy open. And we kind of had been waiting for Josh to do it. He did it all day on Sunday. I I think one thing we are missing, and they're, it's basically the unsung heroes of the game, but we have to give a shout-out to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Because the, re- the reverse of this is we are always complaining. Holding penalties illegal hands to the face penalty, like anything. And these guys, we don't talk about them because Josh is just sitting back there on Sunday, picking it apart, having the time. Granted, yeah, he has to shift a little bit within the pocket, but what he run? Like one, one technically run, like maybe ran the ball four total times. They were giving him so much time and, that just leads to Josh being able to be a more effective passer and also building his confidence where he doesn't feel like he has to run and scramble. He can sit back there and say, wow, I've got these touch passes. I've got these passes. Wait, I'm not just a running quarterback. Look at me, guys. I'm a throwing quarterback, 400-plus yards. Bam. 400-plus yards. Billy, what do you got? Well... I was going to mention something about coaching. Remind me, because I do have a point that I'd like to make at some point in, this, in, the, in the pod. Um, but for my Labette Blue MVP, I'm actually going to go uh, go with Rachel Bush. And for those of you, <laughs> yeah. for those of you who... She makes another appearance on the pod. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, uh, who don't know her... <laughs> who don't know, who've been living know under her. a rock on yeah, Mars. I know her, I know her very well. Uh, no, she's uh, Jordan Poyer's girlfriend, wife, wife? Wife. Wife. Okay, whatever. Um, she's extremely good looking. Uh, I don't really go on Instagram. I do have an Instagram account, and I happen to uh, get, I don't know, if someone on this uh, message board. Or, it was Bill. Uh, or it was Jeff. Jeff. Jeff tipped this off. Yeah. So Jeff said, yeah, Jeff said, hey, Rachel Bush has has the game live streaming on her Instagram feed. So I'm like, okay, I've never seen live streaming, and I don't go on Instagram, but I do have that little icon on my screen, so I'm going to click and it. And I know who Rachel Bush is. And there you go. And I was watching the game, and then it ended up coming back out of the blackout, uh, you know, five minutes afterward, but got to see a little bit of the game, courtesy of Rachel Bush. So, Rachel Bush, thank you for being you. That is actually very impressive uh, on her part, so appreciate that. I don't know how, people, how many people uh, outside of uh, us four um, actually – were able to catch that but uh millions oh there were yeah. there were like three thousand people streaming it they instagram actually oh. like took her account down because of something because i couldn't even really? find it i was like yeah, it's probably the- wildly illegal oh, oh that's great <laughs> I, I would be remiss by the way i got to give a shout out to, to to my wife Teresa, who is a big big proponent of following all the bills players wags wives and girlfriends um and she has been for quite some time because you get this sort of inside non-pr <laughs> Uh, polished, uh, uh, you know, accounts. And so Teresa was on that real quick. 
um, and then shared it with me, and we were able to pass it along. So, yeah, Rachel Bush, good call out, Bill. I feel like we've kind of spun out here. Did is is that the first actual the Bat Blue MVP that we've given here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I think we just kind of like just started shouting about everything we were happy about. Because you talked about Josh Allen, and then before that, uh, talked about some or yeah, Josh Allen, offensive lineman. So I'm the fish. I'm the only one to say Labat Blue MVP, but we did technically talk about three different units. I'll, I'll give a sp- I'll give a specific name out as well, just to provide some formality to it, and it's going to build uh, Cassie on your point that you made about the offensive line. And this is a name that I don't think I've heard said on the two broadcasts um, in either game, but I think has been game changing in terms of giving Josh the time that he needs, which is our new right tackle, uh, Hmm. Daryl Williams, who, I mean, we picked this guy up in free agency. No one has said a word about him. Um, No one has said his name. I haven't heard his name on the broadcast. And yet all that's happened since he manned right tackle and Cody Ford went to right guard in John Feliciano's absence is that that right side of the line, which was a, uh, what's the fancy word for a leak, uh, Lars? (laughs) Um, sieve. A sieve, thank you. Um, he, that Which was a sieve last year has now become this very stable. And so I think, Cassie, your point is spot on there. And I, that's what I would give my Labatt MVP to is Daryl Williams, sort of an unsung hero on that offensive line who no one is talking about because we know nothing about him. But apparently he's doing a pretty good job. Yeah. And I hope, I hope we don't mention him or the offensive line ever again on this podcast unless we're praising them, right? Like – Let's just keep it up. Keep being the unsung heroes. Everyone looks better when you have a good quarterback and good playmakers. I, I mean, it changes everything, does it not? I mean, like it, it, like Sun, Buffalo Bills Sunday football games they have taken on a completely new dimension. Like watching a game and not having to cling to every play and every yard and every score like it's the last. I mean... It's just well, a lot of a lot more fun. Jeff said it on the on the chat tra- chain. Our offense won the game. Like, what have we ever been able to say? Defense let us down, but wow, look at that offense! They came through and put up the points when we needed them. Like, what? It's <laughs> like an yeah. al- alternate universe. There, there's definitely some point to be made here as well around um, consistency in terms of staff. You know, yep. I mean, and the Bills are you know. What we're on year is it four, three or four of the McDermott, uh, uh, Frazier and and Dayball trio, four, three, three for them, four, four for everybody else. Okay, three for them. I mean, which is 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 crazy enough. It's like almost it's like very rare, right, in today's NFL. And and now Josh Allen has been developed by the same coaching staff for all three years by the same quarterbacks coach on the roster. You know, with Dable being able to build an offense that suits his strengths, um, there's there's something to be said there around the development that the team has been putting in behind him. You know, and then you look at somebody like, uh, you know, whether it's Baker Mayfield on who's on his third coach, you know, or or Josh Rosen who's on his what sixth, fourth team and sixth offensive coordinator, and you know, there's a reason for that too. But you know, uh, Allen has benefited from the stability of the coaching staff around him who was invested in him. Um, and that, yeah. you know, there's something to be said for that. But don't sell Allen short there. Yeah. One point that Sal made, and it's true, and I think we often overlook about it, like coachability is a thing. 
Not every player is coachability, and Josh Allen needed to be coached. I mean, he 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 had all the physical tools, but he needed to develop his game, and he has. I mean, what do we say? Like somebody mentioned it before. Like, oh, we we can't throw the short ball. Well, what did he do in 2019? He was the most accurate short ball player in the league. Now he can't throw the deep ball. Now he's just chucking it wherever he damn well pleases. I mean, he's and you know he doesn't bail from the pocket. He's improved his mechanics. I mean, a lot of that a lot of that is on him too. On the point about Dable, um, Billy's got a little insider track into to Brian Dable and 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 just his presence, so to speak, in Buffalo and 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 in general. Um, and what I took away from that, Billy, and, I, and I'll let you share what, whatever you're comfortable sharing, is that Dable doesn't strike me as the kind of guy. A lot of people are like, "Oh, he's going to get a lot of head coaching looks." He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who attracts organizations to his kind of personality and to his just general approach that makes him like actual head coaching material. He might get a lot of interviews, but just like Bruce Arians was around and kicking ass forever and didn't get actually get that head coaching gig for a long, long time. I kind of put Dable in that category based on what we've heard from Billy about him. Which is all, which is all you're going to hear the listeners. I would say I hope you're right, Lars. I mean, since Dayball's arrival to Buffalo, our, I mean, I guess our offense was last this exciting during the uh, Chan Gailey um, era. Yeah. In terms of creativity and, you know, at best. But you got to, and, and, and Bill, you know, we'll hand it back to you because I know you're a big Dayball fan, proponent, I think, as well. And, you know, just the creativity that he's brought to play calling. Yeah. I mean, and he's uh... – I mean, the fact that we're not having to – you get a guy like Stefan Diggs and we're not having to rely on the jet sweeps or the, uh, you know, John Brown to Devin Singletary or Devin Singletary to John Brown throws. Um, you know, we can continue to, to spread the field. Um, I mean, he is I – mean, I think he's going to definitely get some, you know, head, head coaching opportunities and um, – you know, everyone wants a winner, regardless of uh, of anything else. You know, they want someone who's going to win, who's, who's and someone who is going to who's also seen the college game very recently, which Dayball has. Uh, you know, coach under Nick Saban, coach under Bill Belichick, all those things. So he checks a lot of those boxes. I don't know if we're going to be able to hang on to him, but um, you know, you better believe we continue to put up thirty points a game. Uh, Josh Allen continues to put up three hundred plus yards a game. Uh, that might be an area where we're looking at Ken Dorsey as our potential offensive coordinator for uh, for next year. Although who knows with him? A um, little tidbit about Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey. Okay, so correct me if he's wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was a Miami, yes, Hurricanes quarterback. Correct. Yes. He was there when I was in college. That guy was such a loser. <laughs> that's, that's your tidbit that's, a, that's knowledge oh, that's that is that is some insider hey, info less of an insider scoop and more of listen, just an opinion just of someone general opinion went general to a opinion. rival school yeah okay so hey guys little thing about coaching real quick before because I'm not sure where this train is going however uh, coaching one thing that our guys do very well is manage injuries uh, yes. With, yes. I'm glad you brought this up. It's something. It's something that you know. Why would you? You don't really talk about it, right? But um, something that they did really well last year, um, as far as looking at the big picture, 
and something that uh, they're already doing, we can see this year, one with Josh Norman putting him on IR, um, two with the two obvious ones with Trey Edmonds and Matt Milano. We'll see how they handle it this week, but you better believe that there are other teams that are going to put those guys in there. Um, but because of our the, the strength of our system, the confidence that we have then in our depth, um, you know, we can and the opponents that we were playing against. But honestly, I think that even if we were playing against quote-unquote tougher opponents, they still would have made the same decision to sit Milano and Edmonds, hmm. and they might this this uh, this upcoming game as well. We'll see. I don't know about that, but hey, Dotson, Dotson, we got Dotson here. Yeah. Guy, guy stepped up and played pretty well. Absolutely. And I, I, I think, so I think that they, they were w- more willing to risk losing to Miami with with no Milano or Edmonds than re-injuring Milano and Edmonds and not having them for LA. And and we'll get into that here in a minute. But Bill, on the injury thing on the injury thing in general, I was thinking about this today because obviously it was a big week for injuries around the league. Saquon Barkley, Joey Bosa, Cortland Sutton, um Drew Locke, I mean, all these guys going down. And and I think we had said at the end of 2017, like, hey, you know, as we were kind of going through all the stuff that, like, you know, all the Hauschka field goals that we made and all, like, the timely turnovers that we got, we also included turnovers or or injuries, excuse me. We kept saying, like, you know, we're not going to be this lucky next year. And, like, this team is going to incur injuries. Well, we haven't. And now, knock on wood, obviously. I mean, we still have 14 friggin' games left to play in the regular season during a global pandemic where we, we are already braced for losing players and, and, and being down a couple guys at some point in the season. But in year four here, you have to think that the process, that their approach, that everybody's commitment and discipline to what they're doing is having some impact on the lack of injuries because we haven't had that many injuries. Again, knock on wood. Um, and we haven't had bad ones. We've had some minor ones, like that you said, Billy, we've managed. But but I, I am now starting to believe that, no, like you can prevent injuries to a certain extent, and, I, and I'm totally confident that this regime is doing everything they possibly can to do so. They just better fix that field in New York by Sunday, October 25th. Mm-hmm. From your lips to God's ears. Well, hey, we've kind of we've kind of divulged a little bit. I don't know where this train's going either, but we did mention L.A. We have talked about 30 points a game and 400 yards. I think we're going to need every bit of it uh, this week against the Rams. Milano and Edmonds are no Milano and Edmonds. We'll see, but let's uh, let's switch gears here and uh, and uh, get into some more about what's 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 coming up. A lot to be thankful for. A lot to be happy about. Um, but Quite a few tests coming down the pike, starting with this Sunday. Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode, which means it's the wild card portion of today's episode. It's the wild card! card. (laughs) Oh, that was bad. (laughs) Don't ever make me do that alone. An effort was made. Uh, This is Bills and Beers. we talk about the Bills. We do so drinking beer, and Cass already shared with you tonight. I was um, 
the only Glutenberg available at my uh, beverage depot here in Westchester, Pennsylvania, uh, was the sampler pack, and and I'm down to the last one, which was the white, uh, a, a which which uh, big big uh, big hit with the likes of Jeff and Cassie, but not really my type of beer. I had the blonde the other day. Didn't care for the blonde. I don't mind this white. I don't Ooh. mind it, Cassie. <laughs> Wait. That's right. So Jeff, he's coming to the dark side with us. Well, or the, the light, light side, side, but the, yeah, I the light say. side, but more more specifically. Wait, Billy, the... Billy, can we all take a guess as to what you're drinking up there? Yes, you can. Wait, so wait, hold on. This gluten is it actually like something having to do with gluten, or is it just having to be called Glutenberg? It's gluten free. Ah, okay. Cool. I think this is like the only like gluten-free beer. Most like there are like brewed to eliminate gluten beers out there, but this one is the only one that says on the label gluten-free, which for those of you who work in consumer products know that probably probably means it's it's trustworthy. I'm not getting much of a reaction out of Jeff, so maybe I shouldn't be so confident. He wasn't that. paying attention. Oh, no, no. Sorry, I was I was preparing my beverage uh, synopsis. Ah. Sorry. Uh, what is uh, I, I, what I year thought, was well, the Gutenberg know. Press? What was it? What year was it developed? Fifteen sixty-five. Jeff. Um, I'll say uh, sixteen eighty-two. Okay. Sixteen oh nine. I'd say sixteen fifteen. You don't know? No. You don't have it in front of you? No, I'll pull it up though. Oh, for the love! All right, moving on. Okay, so this is actually so to answer your to answer the question you didn't ask, uh, I think instead of wheat, it's got millet and buckwheat is what it, is what's holding this baby together. This they're actually not that bad. This Billy, is my, uh, this is my first pod. Fourteen forty. Fourteen forty. That was that was really that was just an entertaining microcosm just to just to assure just brought me it right back changed. yeah nothing has changed here bill asking trivia questions he doesn't know the answers to and we're Guys, back four, we are back 14 1440 was the gutenberg 1440 yeah, wow that's a long wins. time ago yeah, I, I I was I started then thinking about like 1492 and I was like did, did like Columbus like was it are we, I don't know like the years like 200 through 1600 are more or less a blur yeah. to most non-historians. Unbelievably, it was the last time a Bills quarterback threw for over 300 yards. <laughs> <laughs> Which was actually what they wrote about when they used the the Gutenberg press for the first time. That was that that was the first that the massively it. distributed. All right, we've we've uh we, we've reached a new plateau. Bill Bills drinking Labatt Blue Light. Uh, Cassie, what were you drinking today, Sunday, during uh, work today? Yeah, no, I've been sticking to the high-quality H2O. It is a school night. Responsibility. Um, but Saturday, or Sunday, you know what? I was a, I, I stayed on the light, the blue light train all day. I will say, Lincoln Station does have dovetail. So my husband mm. has been enjoying some really good dovetail lagers. Uh, and if Sujit wasn't here... He would tell you that he ordered the, oh, it's from Bell's. It's like a double matured crappy <laughs> beer, but it's like 11% alcohol. So when we went into the the lightning break, 
Sujit and my husband decided to both order like nice beers and I attribute part of the third quarter downturn to them going foo-foo with their beers and not staying with blue or blue light. So we can blame Mm. it on them too. So I think we've discussed Dovetail shares a parking lot with another brewery in Chicago, um, Beguile. I am a much, much, much bigger fan of Beguile because most of the Dovetail brews or beers are kind of that lighter, crispier, white, blonde, that kind of crap. Uh, German. They, they they specialize in German style beer. Yeah, I just so. I'm just not a big fan. But the beguile is a lot of pale ales, IPAs, and the good stuff. The good stuff. Uh, so Jeff, uh, I, now that you've, it looks like you were going over your notes extensively here. From <laughs> I was trying to. I was I was looking up where this was from to see if it was from Austin or not. Um, so oh, okay. So um, it's been uh, you know it's been a hundred degrees in Austin for the last three months, and so. You know, the uh, the popular thing here for the summer, which I've uh, gotten into a little bit, is more of these canned cocktails, uh, which, Cassie, I think uh, you wow. may not enjoy. I don't know. And so there is a company which is out of Austin. That's why I was curious. So you probably have never heard of it. It's called Ranch Rider. And uh, it is premium spirits, sparkling water, and fresh citrus in every can. <laughs> and I've recently been ch- drinking the tequila sparkling water and wow juice canned cocktails from ranch rider delicious i mean we we've like gone off the rails here with booze so yellowtail makes a seltzer now i mean like is it because of covid and everybody's just depressed or 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 like or is technology just enabling us to basically ferment anything carbonate it throw it in a can and call it a good time I normally support all of your beverage decisions, but you went way basic bitch on that one. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, well, At least I mean, one of us on the podcast. Has I mean, to I, be. For, obviously, I woke up in the morning before the game. I had my you know iced vanilla latte, um, and then I had my <laughs> Ranch Rider uh, sparkling cocktails throughout the game. Of course, you know. So I mean, I'm just I'm just really uh, really playing the part here, Cass. Some avocado. Were you, were you avocado wearing any toast? Lululemon? Right, exactly. Yeah, avocado toast, yes. So we actually didn't discuss what the wild card's going to be, so I'm going to just spring it upon you guys here. Yes. Um, no deliberations. Nobody's had any time to think about it, so we'll see we'll see how good everybody is off the cuff. Sunday's game, we already talked about the power outage, which disabled viewers from enjoying the game. Talked about the lightning that prolonged the amount of time we had to wait to enjoy the game. Talked about the defense just not being that great, making it a little harder to, to enjoy the game. But God damn it, did we enjoy that game. So today's, today's wild card is a time or an, an instance or something that's, that you've experienced where, you know what, I'm just not going to let this come between me and my good time. And everybody else may be just running around with their hairs on fire and completely miserable or or doing whatever they can to ruin this for me. But I'm just not going to let it happen. And I, I am I am going to have a good goddamn time no matter what. Bill, you're nodding. Do you are you are you with it or are you do you have it? Well, wait, I don't even know what I have. What? Hold on a second. Yeah. So here is my so here, I would here is, say here is going to be here is going to be my follow up question to you. Okay. Yeah. Is that are you talking about Sundays only 
Or are you talking about what? No. riding it through the it, the week through all times? So I'll give it. I'll just. I'll just give mine. I, I, again, <laughs> you guys have to think about yours and, and 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 use mine to sort of prepare your thoughts. And Bill, you can relate to this. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you load up the car. Sometimes you put the kids in the car, and you're heading someplace, and it's supposed to be fun, but it's not fun. Uh, somebody wants their pouch, but they drop the pouch into the footwell and they're sitting in a car seat, which means they can't get the pouch. So they're screaming. You still got at least another 12 minutes before you arrive at whatever the destination is. And because they're screaming now, their younger brother who doesn't know any better is also screaming. And you're just in the front seat. Be like, Hey, you know, what? we're going to go on this hike and it's going to be fun. And we're going to get through this. And if I have to listen to you scream the whole time, I'm going to tune it out. I'm going to enjoy some time in nature. Maybe this happened Sunday morning. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. Uh, but sometimes being a father, especially a father of two young ones, means that you just have to push it all out and say, nope, we're, we're having a good time, family. Uh, you will enjoy this. You will smile. We will look back on this with fond memories. And that's how it shall be, goddammit. Um, and I feel like that's what Sunday's game was. A little bit of a nutshell. Bill, does that help? Nope, but... Give us another one. That's good. Bill, I can Bill's... jump in. I can jump Thank in with you, the Jeff. wild card. Uh, while while Bill keeps thinking, I'm gonna I'm gonna. This is gonna be a little bit to uh, in in an homage to our the fifth member of Sujit who's not here today, and he's our resident uh, doctor and specifically liver doctor. And so, mm. um, uh, this is a this is I'll just without going into too much detail. I've I've been told that I'm supposed to sort of, you know, maybe moderate how much spice I eat, maybe moderate how much beer I consume, perhaps moderate the amount of acidic foods or fatty foods. But when it comes to our Buffalo Bills and football season, <laughs> by hell or high water, I'm not letting that get in the way of my pizza, wings, and Labatt Blue Light Sundays for our Buffalo Bills. So, Sujit, I'm sure that I will continue needing your consultation over the years, uh, but won't let that get in the way of our fun. I like that. Cass, anything for us? Yeah, I think uh, I've, I've, I've had the lucky privilege of, of spending a couple weeks down in Florida this year, but come to find out, like, I feel like I'm severely allergic to Florida. Like, <laughs> I get... They have these bugs called noceums because apparently you don't see them, but my body does see them and I like get massive welts and like my legs just like I look like I have chicken pox. Like it is so bad. I've learned that I can take some like over the counter allergy medicine and if I ice like iced like I ice down like an athlete like every night, like full (laughs) ice bath on my legs to like stop the scratching. Small price to pay for Florida. But that's it, right? I'm not going to let it ruin my time being in Florida. I'm going to still get out there on the golf course. I'm still going to go to the beach. I'm still going to enjoy my time. I'm just going to temper, like, my ability of feeling 100% and, like, learn not to, like, itch and scratch. And, and I've, it, it's just a battle that I deal with, but I'm not going to let it hold me down. So Cass actually raises a, a, a pretty good point there. Uh, squad goals. I think we may have a nice little foursome here someday. Maybe someday when we got a Sunday night game, you know, a little destination, a little Bills and Beers destination action. Maybe do a quick pod from the cart. I'm just just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. 
I'm I'm game as long Love as it. I can play the red tees. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm in. So yeah, I'm from the tips, baby. Just the tips. So Lars, all right, Bill, what you got? Well, I can't wait to hear this, bro. I feel like you might appreciate this, and uh, you know there are certain activities that you have to do with your kids. Uh, Here we go. <laughs> I mean, you have to be you have to you have to pay attention to them. You got to play with them. But imagine, you know, you're in your cozy coop. You know, you're walking down the street. You're in their little car. You know, pushing them down the street. You got to say hi to the neighbors. All the neighbors are hanging out. Uh, well, guess what? I went ahead and researched myself. A nice little Amazon project that connects. It's a little cup holder that uh, is much better than the cup holder that comes on a stroller or that comes on yeah. one of those little cars. And it attaches to almost anything. Uh, and it's incredible. So I almost always have a little bad blue light with me. Uh, on those, on those short little walks around the neighborhood, uh, and so yeah, and so we, so we got that right. I'm not letting any of those little activities get in the way of my enjoying myself a little bit blue light. I like that. Let me give you, I like that. Let me give Simple you, Amazon purchase. Let me give you one more example of that. Yes, we, love it. We have for the past six weeks play with house money. We have for the past six weeks been uh, constructing a kids playset in our backyard uh we will call it's it quite a thing we will call it a treehouse slash tree fort slash playset slash swing set with a slide and a ladder it's pretty cool and i was out there with the worker today it's a you know one of our one of our good friends handyman and i said hey listen it would be great. You know how many days I'm going to be out here pushing the kids on the swing. It's like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> right? I'm having a great time. All I want is a nice little cup holder for my beer. You're a woodworker. You're building this whole thing. Can you build me a cup holder? So I got to put it. He put in three cup holders. He had it done within like, he had it done within 20 minutes. It's awesome. Yeah. I already tested it out. It works great. He put like a little hole in the bottom and everything to let the condensation go down. So no matter what, if I'm out there pushing the kids, better believe I'm going to be enjoying it. And probably listening to this podcast, you should do that too, folks. I love, wow, I love every second of that. And and Billy, I've actually seen pictures you've shared of, of the playset, And it said, it said you had a lemonade stand. Um, in our household, that would be an ice cream stand. We uh, do a lot of ice cream delivery. Oh, yeah. And in fact, Jeff, when this FaceTime call started, you saw what I've been assembling in my basement, which is the giant weightlifting rack, mm-hmm. uh, which Henrik took two, took one look at earlier today and said, oh, you built me an ice cream stand. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, you come on in. Yeah. Yeah. Try li- You're actually not allowed in here because you can die. Yeah. But yeah, he tries. No, he went over, he'll go over to like a 45-pound plate. And I'm like, God, no, no, you're going to break your foot off. <laughs> So we introduced a new segment on this podcast, and last week we were all in. It was a $200 bet that the Bills the, the Bills would win and the three other AFC East teams would lose. Now, the Seattle Seahawks made that a little, <laughs> little too interesting. Um Put a lot on the line there, but we uh, don't have to dip into much personal cash for a while because we won that bet. So I think it was a two hundred dollar bet. I think we won four hundred something around. So we we got money to tap into. 
So we got a bet this week. We don't have Sujit here, and we didn't get a chance to confer him, so we can't be all in, unfortunately. But, Billy, you did select the bet for this week's game against the Rams. The over has slid up a bit. I got in at 44.5. It's now around 47.5. But, Billy, you were able to select a wager that we had a quorum on. Walk us through it. Yes, I'm a simple man. I'm normally not a betting man, so I when I bet, I like to do sure things, folks. And that sure thing for this week is the Bills scoring more than 24 points. That's right. I took it. Jeff took it. Cassie took it. Bill obviously took it. Suge didn't take it, so we're not all in. Uh, I think we got it, like, what was it, 117, negative 117 or something like that. So our $80 could turn into, like, 145 uh, we'll see. Uh, Bill, I'm with you. I think this is free money. Uh, so this segues nicely into what we're facing here in the Rams. And, you know, the the Sean McVay era has been one that has just been offense, 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 offense. Bobby Woods is having himself quite a little career in L.A., Cooper Cup and all the rest of them. And unclear, even at the time of recording this podcast, whether or not we're going to have our linebacking core intact for Sunday's game. Uh, but I am braced for a shootout. We have been all week just going on and on and on about how much we love this quarterback and scoring points and putting up yards and all this. Well, we better do all of those things on Sunday. And Cass said it earlier, we haven't played anybody good. Well, we're about to. And we got about five or six of the next seven or eight games are no joke. And if this if this team... <laughs> If this is a good team, we will we will surely know. I am not one to evaluate the schedule this early in the season because of injuries and because you just never know. Teams are up and down all the time. So I'm not ready to say for sure that we have a tough road ahead. But the early returns are looking not so promising for the Bills. And Sunday against the Rams is the first major stop on what looks like could be a pretty bumpy road. I always look forward to these games. You know, they're they're great. They're sort of great barometers. You know, when you play these, um, when we play these, uh, you know, marquee NFC teams. You know, I think we felt that way a little bit about the Cowboys game. You know, last year as well, which of course was more of a primetime experience. But you know, these teams that we are just not as familiar with, but they're marquee mm. top ten. You know, and I mean, the Rams are two years removed from being in the Super Bowl and seem to be back to a lot of their high powered ways. So. This is going to be a great test. I'm looking forward to the game quite a bit. Um, you know, I think we are expecting a little bit of a, probably both teams to go north of 20 points. You know, it's hard yeah. to imagine. It's hard to imagine that the Rams won't, even against our D. Um, so this will be a great test. I look forward to it. It'll be fun to have Robert Woods back in back in Orchard Park. You know, he was always, uh, I think, a well-liked. Fan favorite. Yeah, well-liked Buffalo Bill, and has been nothing but a, a great add to that Rams team. So, Great test. You know, probably the biggest thing to watch out is does Aaron Donald disrupt the ability for that offensive line to give Josh Allen time? Hmm. Um, you know, he's probably the premier defensive player in the league going up against Mitch Morse in the interior. That's going to be, I think, the matchup to watch for. And if we can game plan accordingly and give Josh some time, I feel good. And Or if, if Arnold or uh, Donald becomes a massive destructive force, a lot like a JJ Watt has done to us in the past. You know that could that could be a long day for Josh too. So, be a good one. 
Well, in these games and in the NFL in general, like you'd, you'd have to go into it as a fan expecting that a win is going to come as a result of your team scoring somewhere between 30 and 38 points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the days of us hoping that maybe we can grind them out and win on a field goal are over, I think. I don't know. I mean, we say these things. It's probably, the final score is probably going to be 16-13, yeah. you know, which is why Vegas set yeah. the well, set the under or the over-under so low, and we were all kind of surprised by that at first. Uh, your point, Larry, is like it's not just the Bills. What was it's so- every, te- every team cannot expect to just grind it out in today's NFL. No, right? correct. Yeah. But that's I think that that was what made Sunday's game such a revelation is that it feels like the first time, like if we had to score 38 to win – yeah, we we can, we can. We, it's it's possible. Um, I mean, it just wasn't just wasn't something we were relying on. I mean, we were just consistently hoping for a twenty to seventeen squeaker to to pull one out. And Sean McDermott said as much in his press conference. He said something like, "You know, when you win a lot of games, sixteen thirteen, you lose all your hair." I like I'd like to have hair. I like to score points. Yeah. You got to score points to win. I'd rather score points. And you know, it's that seems so antithetical to everything we thought we knew about the guy, but it sure was nice to hear in 2020 in the NFL. And by all by all accounts, or as far as it looks at, at this point in time, we're gonna need that on Sunday, and that's you know what, okay. You know what I liked about this past win for the Bills is is the sort of on that note. Lars was we were away, we lost the turnover battle. We lost the time of possession battle. Um, and the Dolphins had three penalties for, I think, a total of 15 yards. Yeah. And we still won the game. And, and I just think that that is sort of a, a statement that I don't know if the Bills have been able to say in a long time, where some of those, you know, like no. those, those traditional, le- uh, you know, whatever, levers of like indicators. Indicators. Yeah. Thank you. It's like, and especially like we did, we did not get easy penalty yardage, right? It wasn't like we got free turnovers, like all those things. Like we just went out and and the offense scored more points than their off- offense, and 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 I like that about that win. Yeah, and you know, in years past, Jeff, like you just said, time of possession, turnovers away, we were good for maybe giving up one of those. Mm-hmm. We could not give up all of them, expect to win. But that's what happens when you got an offense that can score points is that we're not on that razor's edge anymore. That's why we're not clinging to every play and every yard and every first down like it's our last. I mean, it's just, it, like, it's a whole new game. I, I don't know, I, Lars, that sounds so good, but I, I think I'm just not over the trauma of the past 12 to 15 years. That, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, that, that's, that's going to be the, me on Sunday. I am literally probably not going to breathe for the entire game and on the edge of my seat and, and, until maybe we have a 14 point lead, 18 point lead. Like, I don't know, but like, I, I believe, I so believe in this team, but there's just this thing in the back of my head. That's like full, you know, don't get too comfortable here. You know, I was a, a, a cocky asshole in Arizona in what was it? 2008 walking around being like, raise your hand if you're four and now. We like finish that season seven and nine. Like these are just things that I just like have yeah. so impacted that I carry with me continuously that I want to stop. I'm not going to be able to stop. Sorry. I'm just right. imagining it's a just... young, sassy, 
Cassie, Cassie. <laughs> in Arizona when the Bills are up 4-0, bringing all that, bringing all that confidence to bring that stadium. All that Cassie. <laughs> all that sassy Cassie. Oh, yeah. Do you guys I think- deserve to be punched. But luckily, the Arizona fans, really nice people. Really nice people. You know, they went on to the Super Bowl that year. <laughs> That's right. Do you guys think Lee- Great Super Bowl. Do you guys think Lee Smith starts this game? <laughs> That's the question on all Bill's Mafia's mind right now. Uh, Bill, he might only because I think With- Dawson Knox had a concussion. Yeah, so- and then the block and. and- from a blocking standpoint, I just think like the extra blocking yeah. with Donald and everything. Anyway, it's possible. Is yeah. is the greatest thing to happen to Dawson Knox this year the fact that the power outage happened and I haven't seen a replay of his like thirty seven yard catch and run with a fumble? <laughs> yeah, I think the, I think the best thing of, that happened to Dawson Knox so far this year is we don't need him because we'd we'd be kind of screwed if we did. It seems. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, is that a little too harsh? No, I, that's that's the way. Did I, did I just rain on the parade? Nope. I would love to see that play, Cass. I mean, I do want to see if it, you know, I mean, uh, by the way, somebody's recording. Where's the footage of this of this missing half quarter? Because I've seen the highlight of the of the Stephon Diggs touchdown from a different feed. Yeah, right? and the Isaiah McKenzie. And yeah, and the Isaiah McKenzie. The long play. So, like, we know that these these. I mean, the plays are on film somewhere. Oh, well. I don't know. It's like Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's half of a quarter. Yeah. Did it exist if nobody saw it? Does on the scoreboard. <laughs> so should we end it on that note? Should yeah, we I think uh, so. take it out? Okay, so so we're all confident in 24 points. We're confident in a win. Billy, we'll start with you. Yes. All right. You want, I, you want I, a score? I, me too. You want a final score? I, no, I don't know. I don't need a score. I think we're winning. Yeah, we're I think winning, we're going to win on Sunday. I, I, I'm, I'm not there yet. I, I, I want to be. I, I'm not confident in a win. I think we come back to earth a little bit. Okay. All right. I think this is a game that I think this game comes down to a to a um, a field goal in the last two minutes. <laughs> a I Tyler mean, this, Bass field goal. This feels. Oh, no, that... feel, yeah. This feels like um. This feels like a one possession game in the last five minutes and it's going to be a field. And I don't know if it's going to be Tyler Bass kicking a 48 yarder or if it's going to be the Rams kicker attempting like a 54 yarder to win it. And like, you know what I mean? It's that, yeah. that's what I have a feeling. That's, that's what I would vote on. Um, so I don't know. I think total toss up for who ends up this one. I do feel good about the over 24 and I hope we continue our win streak on the bets. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, find us on the internet. Find us on wherever you get your podcast. You know what the deal. But uh, rate, review the show if you like. Uh, we get a lot of nice things that people say or reach out to us on social media. Some some have already asked where this episode is. Always good to know we've got fans out there. Sorry to the B-Bills maybe next year crew for going head-to-head against you this week because I think you guys are probably going to release again tomorrow. Sorry about the dip and downloads as everybody's listening to Bills and Beers. Uh, love you guys. I hope that's not the case. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see what happens on Sunday. We're, we're trying to figure out what our schedule is going to be, and it is it is quite honestly completely driven by my son's uh, sleep schedule. So now that that's sort of changed a little bit in the last couple weeks, we may be able to get you these episodes a little more timely, which I think is something this crew and I think most of our listeners would appreciate. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but until then, 
Uh, we'll be talking about whatever happens against these Rams. Hopefully we stay injury-free. I didn't mean to bring it up so many times with such such a unabashed confidence, but here we are. We did it. Whatever. Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. The Bills make me wanna shout.